Welcome to another episode of The Raven Narratives. I'm Tom Yoder. And I'm Sarah Severson. The story you're about to hear was told by Drew Watson in November when the theme was Strangers. Drew is a recent transplant to Mancus, Colorado from Connecticut. He came here to find some ground-level, actionable work being done in agriculture and food production. He aspires to go on to change the world, although he is a little clueless on how he'll get there. He enjoys corgi dogs, homemade burritos, mountain biking, and Black Sabbath. Here is Drew's story. Okay, um, last fall, almost uh, just about a year ago now, as a senior in college, studying environmental studies and sociology, and uh, my father, I don't think, has forgiven me for it yet. Uh, it's a lot of money to get a degree that doesn't mean too much. Anyway, um, those subjects that I was studying, I'm, I was studying uh, delays in relocating Alaskan villages uh, due to climate change, government inaction there, or uh, failed sustainable development plan, um, plans in Ghana or um, West Africa. And being in those classes, you really, I think anyone can relate to this, you feel stymied by your inability to act. Uh, I think I feel it all the time in life. I'm happy to have a job now where I can act on some of those things. But I couldn't act. I was stuck in a classroom, um, stuck in the theoretical, unable to move towards the actionable. Um, so I've had a, a history of mental health uh, issues since I was about 16. Um, so that environment at school was not the healthiest for me. Uh, certainly looking back on that now, it's something I can admit. So that's going on. I'd worked a little bit on an organic farm in the fall and the year before, but I'd never done a ton of farm work. And I followed my friend Marguerite out one day to go and buy some meat from a local organic farm. Uh, and I'd known the girl who, one of the girls who lived there, she was a classmate of mine. Um, I have a narrower definition of a stranger, or maybe a wider one than most people would, but you know, Kat and I knew each other, um, but not, not super, super well. And then I'd met her parents once or twice, the people who owned the farm. But we were really pretty much strangers, Brian and Kat and I. And I went out there and um, Brian took one look at me at 6'2", 250 pounds, and just one big tool for him to use. Um, and instead of, instead of buying meat, just buying meat, he had me dig uh, fence post holes for like six hours. It was ridiculous. Um, and I left that day, you know, I had a good time, covered in blisters, tired, sweaty, and hot, um, but you know, with sausages in hand. Um, but, <laughs> um, you know, I didn't, I didn't leave that day thinking that there was anything particularly amazing about that place. It was special, you could tell, but I, I just left. I, I had plans maybe to come back once or twice, once or twice. But that fall, things started to get a lot worse for me. Um, had, you know, was in love with a girl who I couldn't be with uh, for various constraints. Uh, I was struggling at school, drinking a little bit more. That wasn't really the issue. It was more just that I was done talking and I wanted to act and I, I needed something to dig my hands into. So I went home uh, in October for October break and I, I put the, the face on for my folks. And uh, it was that point I was really struggling and I drove back up that Sunday night. Uh, it was almost a year ago to the day now, and it's perfect timing, right, for a good story. Um, almost a year ago to the day, and I got a speeding ticket on the way back up because rushing back to school and didn't know how I'd tell my folks, and I'm panicking about everything else. And um, that night, uh, I was out on my porch, uh, lived on Park Street in New York, in uh, upstate New York, just one road town, kind of like Mancus, and uh, sitting on the front porch and on a porch swing. It's a cool night, and uh, just thinking to myself that I was a 
a coward, um, a coward because uh, I was unable that night to take my own life. I had plans to step in front of a semi truck um, and take my own life that night. Um, I made it, you know, all the way down three steps and right down to my uh, pathway out to the road. Um, I just kept watching him go by, and you know, just unable to step out and really do it. Um, so a chance encounter with my roommate, he came back uh, from the library and got me off my ledge, uh, got me into a treatment facility. Uh, I spent four days at a psychiatric hospital in upstate New York. I had a little bit of time to reflect. I got out of the hospital and I saw my folks. And after I saw my folks, the first thing I did was go to the farm. I showed up at the door to pay for some meat because I was panicking because I hadn't paid them. That was one of the big worries that I hadn't gone out to pay them for what I had taken. So I got out there and they're like, where you been? <laughs> you know, <laughs> we've been trying to get a hold of you. And I told them everything and they're strangers to me. And I said I was in the hospital because I was going to kill myself. And they opened their hearts and their arms to me. Uh, they told me that I was welcome there anytime, uh, day or night. I could sleep on the floor. I could sleep in a bed. I could work. Um, Brian, biggest smile on his face he's ever seen, the, the thought I'd be out there working for him. Uh, <laughs> but he, yeah, um, they opened up their hearts to me. Uh, and I, we didn't know each other that well. They just knew that I was so lost. I was at my lowest point that I've ever been at in my life. So bad that I wanted to take my own life, that I was willing to go out and... and end things. And they said, welcome to this community. So I started going out there all the time. I, you know, doing dangerous things. I back in the hospital for a slit down the side of my hand. We were putting a solarium together. I was shocked by electric fences. I helped birth piglets. I took care of them. I helped slaughter them. I mean, I, I just did all these things. I spent nights there in front of the wood stove and I was in, you know, negative 10 degree weather, taking care of piglets, trying to keep them alive in the cold. And the winter and everything's going great because now I have this thing to do. I have something that's going to help me get some action. I'm saying, okay, I'm helping an organic farm survive. That's something that you positive that you can do with your life. And I didn't need in the classroom anymore what I was getting. I needed to go out and say at the end of the day, like, here's something that I got done. So things started to go uphill. They're starting to get better and better and better. And in the spring, I went out there. Uh, they, we had a newborn calf. A uh, winter calf, um, very small, very weak. Her name was Mayo, and she has having trouble nursing. There's something going on, whether it's mastitis or or whatever else, with her mom Gracie, who is just the, excuse me, the meanest motherfucking cow. Um, <laughs> just would not not let anyone near her baby. Um, Gracie is, is a funny name for that cow. A big uh, Angus Devon cross. Uh, anyone knows cattle, but uh, I showed up on a Sunday to try and help repair some fencing that the mom had busted out of because we were trying to get her to nurse and and uh ann bennett uh the mother is in a she's in a wheelchair and she comes down the ramp and um she just is sobbing and, and she's saying you should leave you should go like, you don't want to be here for what's going on and so i i looked at her i was like man i this family i i was like i i could get in the car i could turn around i could go home i could forget about it and I remembered when they opened their arms to me two days after I was in the hospital 
and they let me come into their family and join a community. And I thought, you know what, there's, there's no way I can just get back in the car and leave. And part of it was that it was Kat's birthday that day. So I had a six pack of beer and a card and I was all excited and then there's this damper on it and I go in the door and there's screaming coming from upstairs, just like this guttural screaming. And you know, Kat comes down the stairs and she's in tears, she's been fighting with her brother and, and I put the six pack on the table and she breaks down into more tears because you know, I think that was the only gift that she got that day. And uh, Kat and I dried some eyes and we went out to go check and get some milk replacement out to Mayo. I pick Mayo up because she can't even stand anymore. And I wrap her up, and she's about 100 pounds, and I'm picking her up, and I'm going to walk her in, and I'm going over the barbed wire. I look at her back, and she's just got maggots covering her rear end. Um, it's called fly strike. You guys, I don't know if you have it as much out here. We have a lot of moisture on the East Coast. It's fly strike all over her rear end, maggots eating her alive. So get her inside, and we put her in the bathroom because it's the only you know sanitary place to put her put her in the bathtub we've got this calf in the bathtub just reeks of rotting flesh or you know we're scraping maggots and you got plastic gloves on and you're reaching up trying to pull maggots out of her and you're trimming hair and you're buzzing and you know we're spraying this horrible cheap perfume in the air to try and get that like rotting sense out of your out of your everywhere just unable to contain it and in the background, Brian and Ann are screaming and they're yelling about selling the farm, about getting out, about you know these things I don't know anything about. Like they've been farming for a long time, um, and you know this was like a breaking point. So they're screaming in the background, and we're trying to save this calf. And we finally get her cleaned up, maggots gone, washed down the drain. She's sipping some molasses and milk, and we come outside to the table and everybody is calmed down. We've gotten some breaths and we sit down and Ann goes to the fridge and pulls out a tray of chocolate mousse in martini glasses <laughs> that were for Kat's birthday with little raspberries that had been frozen from the, the previous fall and we sprinkle them on top and we're sitting there sobbing, laughing, all these different things going on and, and Brian just looks at me and he's like, is, is this, he's like, are we crazy? Or is this all of this crazy? I'm like, yes, it's fucking crazy. Like, this is an insane thing to be doing. But I was like, you're doing it because it's the right thing because this style of farming is the way we've got to go. And, um, you know, after he asked me if it's crazy, the calf dies the next morning after four hours of, you know, pulling maggots out of her anus. And, and you know, there's not much of a worse feeling, but they saw me at my worst and they welcomed me with open arms and I did the same for them. I saw them at their absolute worst when Brian was ready to leave the farm, to leave everything, to sell it, to get out. So it wasn't the good times that made the Bennett's and I family. It was the bad times. It was fire and brimstone and maggots and it was depression and suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And that's what made us a family. And that's why we're no longer strangers. Thank you. Thanks, Drew, for sharing your story. To pitch your story for a future Raven Narratives event, fill out the contact form on our website at ravennarratives.org. 
And don't miss our Story Slam event coming up on January 13th in 2018 at the Durango Arts Center when the theme will be Cold Feet. You can also subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. And of course, share these stories with your friends and comment on them. We love your comments. Special thanks to our photographer, McCarson Tafoya of Red Scarf Shots. Check out the portraits of our storytellers on the gallery page of the Raven Narratives website, and be sure to visit her website at redscarfshots.com. Our theme music was written, composed, and performed by Jazar, and you can find out more about his music on SoundCloud or at freemusicarchive.org. The Raven Narratives is a production of KSJD Radio in Cortez, Colorado. Find out more at ksjd.org. Now for the outtake. <coughs> Okie dokie. Yeah, y'all. That one, I bet. <clears throat> I'll see if I can get it in one take. We'll see. You're going to do it. Challenging. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Okay, I got this. Welcome to the room. Yeah, that's good. So you see, see how that was perfect on the first? See that? <laughs> We're just going to do a second one for fun. All right. So disappointed in myself. <laughs> I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not disappointed in you. Okay, thank you. So sweet. <laughs>